Welcome to the One Badass Working Mother podcast. I'm Katherine Ferguson, and in this podcast, we explore the relationship between motherhood, work, and everything in between. In this episode, I'm speaking with Amanda Muniz. Amanda is a mom and former elementary school teacher who, when her daughter was just three months old, left her secure, tenured teaching job to open her own musical center for kids. Amanda talks about how she decided to leave her teaching job to pursue something that she felt truly passionate about. She also explains the process she uses to make decisions and why it's so helpful to look at the worst case scenario, which is something most people avoid thinking about because it feels too uncomfortable. Amanda's business scaled very quickly and she reflects on what she believes was the secret to her success. We also hear how she's evolved her business during the pandemic and also how she's used it to give back to her community. I loved my conversation with Amanda. She's got such a friendly, upbeat energy that you can't help but be drawn to. There are a lot of nuggets of wisdom in this episode, especially if you're someone who is considering your own career leap, but feel hesitant or on the fence. I hope you enjoy the episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. Here's Amanda. I am here with Amanda Muniz, who is the center director for Music Together Coastal Melodies. And today we're going to talk a little bit about her career transition and how she came to kind of redefine her relationship to work through pregnancy and motherhood and kind of how she did that. So um, Amanda, again, thank you for being here. And I would love to just start at the beginning. So could you tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, and what you do? Sure, sure, sure. So, um, so as you just said, I am the center director of Music Together Coastal Melodies. And uh, I started that business in 2013. Um, we'll get a little more into that in a minute. But um, I live in Oceanport, New Jersey with my husband and our seven and a half year old daughter, Mariella. I've lived in Monmouth County my whole life. Um, went to a performing arts high school and um, also went and had my, did my undergrad degree in musical theater and then went and got a master's in education. Teaching children and working with children has always been a passion. So. That's wonderful. Well, yeah. yes, that's right. You're right down the road for me. And for people who might not be familiar, can you tell us a little bit about what is Music Together Coastal Melodies? What, what actually does that look like for you? Sure, sure, sure. So uh, we offer music and movement classes for families with young children starting literally in infancy. Um, I work with a lot of brand new moms with infants that are only a few weeks of age. Uh, we do music and movement activities throughout our 45 minute weekly classes in those are our in-person classes right now we're doing things online um, given the current global health crisis that's going on but when we are in person we use um, a series of activities that are developmentally appropriate for all of our students and the most important part is fostering the connection between the parent and their children and we're doing that through the use of music so it's a really, it's a really fascinating project and I love working with it. <laughs> That's so amazing. And yes, we discussed um, last week when we connected that I can't wait to get my kids into one of your classes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another thing, actually, before we move on, I forgot to mention also that yeah. our classes are mixed ages, um, which means that our infants are in the same class with potentially a two and a half, three and a half, four and a half, five-year-old even because um, the infants through age five are all together. And the reason being for that is that once upon a time, before the whole idea of our education um, system changed to um, homogeneous 
grade classes, everybody was together. And that meant that the older children would have an opportunity to be role models for the younger children. And the younger children could learn not just from their caregiver, but also by watching the older kids in the class. And how cool is it to have a three-year-old be able to be a role model? Mm -hmm. I mean, how often did they get to have that experience? So that's really, um, really beneficial for their, uh, for their ego and getting to feel that sense of, of importance that they're helping to guide someone younger than they are. Uh, that's so true. And it's um, both of my kids have gone to a preschool where they have had mixed age classes. And I had, hadn't really been exposed to that. And my kids are now um, almost two and four. Um, so they're still young. But my four-year-old, when he started, he was two and a half. And he was like, you know, you know, he was with kids who were a few years older than he was. And he learned so much from them. And now he's one of the older ones. And it's been so wonderful to watch him progress through that. Um, so I love that that's how your classes are structured. Also, I'm imagining, too, for people that have, you know, multiple children, like my kids, it's always so fun yeah. to watch the interplay between the younger one watching the older one yes. and vice versa. So I love that. That's so awesome. Um, yeah, so often families have to make the choice between, you know, oh, okay, I can go to an activity with this child and then this one just has to wait on the sidelines or I can go with this one and this one has to wait. Yes. But a family can come to music together and make music all together, which I is- I love that. Right. Music doesn't discriminate by age. So I no. love that so much. So, okay, before we talk more about music together, I want to sure. go back. And you said yeah. you started this in 2013 and that your daughter yeah. was seven and a half. So if I'm doing the math correctly, it sounds like there was a transition there. Or So tell yeah. me a little bit about what you used to do and kind of maybe how you made that transition. Sure. So, um, once upon a time, I was an elementary, <laughs> I was an elementary school teacher. I taught uh -huh. kindergarten and third grade for a total of 12 years, six years in each grade. And um, it, when I started, I was in love with it. I really, I, I thought that was, that was my passion. It was where I was supposed to be. Um, by, the, by the end of my sixth year teaching kindergarten, there had already been so much of a change in the direction of public education so that um, playtime was practically eliminated from my two hour and 40 minute half day kindergarten class time. Mm -hmm. um, I had a five-year-old child come up to me and say, you know, why do we have a kitchen in our classroom if we can't ever play with it? And that broke my heart mm -hmm. because the, the structure of our teaching had to be directed so much towards testing and academics, even at the young, tender age of five and six. And I just felt like that was something that was not what I agreed with. So I asked to be uh, transferred to third grade when opening opened up in my district and be considered for that. And thankfully, I got into that position. Um, that started out pretty well, but unfortunately, a couple of years later, the same thing started to trickle up in a way with third grade mm -hmm. and um the the testing and all of that it just it got very stressful and it got to the, be the point where i wasn't happy anymore i really felt trapped and i mean i was a tenured teacher i had a pension i mean all of that was set there so a lot of people would look at that and go but it's it's like it's a steady secure job why would you ever think to leave it 
So that's that sixth year or total of 12, but the sixth year of third grade teaching. Um, my husband and I decided to try to start a family and I got pregnant with our daughter. And I remember thinking, okay, so now I'm not only going to be myself and living for me and my family, and, but I'm living as a, a role model to this child that I'm bringing into the world. So do I want to see this child look at me and see me unhappy? Or do I want this child to look at me and see me loving what I do again, like I used to feel? And so I didn't really know where I was going yet, but I knew that something needed to change. Mm -hmm. So fast forward to about uh, seven to eight months pregnant. Mm -hmm. And I knew I was not, again, not happy with the teaching. Right. And my daughter was born in November. So I had just started a new school year. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, I, I don't want to continue this. I really don't. I learned about music together. Uh, a friend of mine from college actually posted a GoFundMe because she was starting her own center out in Pennsylvania. And I, of course, was interested. I said, oh, what is she doing? What is this music together? And I looked it up and I got tears in my eyes as I was reading about this company. Um, they were the pioneers of early childhood music education. They started right in Princeton, New Jersey. So it's in our backyard, practically. The headquarters for the worldwide organization is still in Hopewell. It's about an hour west of where, we li where I live. And um, I thought, okay, let's, let's try it. Let's go get trained and see what, what could happen here. The first training, <laughs> right after I found out about it, the next one that was about to happen in Hopewell, uh, was when I was going to be nine months pregnant. And I thought, <laughs> I don't know if that's the best idea to be an hour away from my hospital and my <laughs> doctors and everything for three days. I don't think that's the best idea. So um, I, I waited, uh, had my daughter, and the next training after that was when she was about three months old. And so I registered for that, went out to Hopewell, left my daughter with my husband and said, here you go. Good luck. See you in you know, and he did well. And uh, I, I remember after that first day of training, sitting in that training room, listening to the, the trainer talking about everything that we were learning and, and processing it all. And I burst into tears. And the reason that I burst into tears was it felt so right. It, it was like, I knew I was where I was supposed to be when I was supposed to be there. And I said, this is it. This is, this is a combination of everything that I love. It's connecting children with music, which has always been a huge part of my life. It's connecting parents to their children through music. I mean, it, it just tied in everything that I loved. And of course, as a new mom myself, I was able to look at it from that standpoint as well, I thought, okay, this is, this is what I want to do. So end of the third day, I immediately put in an application to um, get a license to start my own center. And the rest, as they say, so far is history. And I've been doing it ever since. I love that. I love <laughs> it so much. And I got like goosebumps almost when you were talking about like hearing the trainer speak. And I wanted 
double click on something that you said because you were talking about being a teacher and you're tenured, you have a pension, and then you're also pregnant with your first child. So yeah. you're, in many cases, I think women can tend to use those things almost against pursuing something else because it's almost like the golden handcuffs, right? It's like, mm -hmm. well, I have the tenure, I have the pension, or well, I'm about to have a baby, so it's not the right time. It doesn't make sense. Like there are a lot of arguments that people can easily come up with to kind of maybe not even let them go to the training in the first place. So I'm so yeah. curious what your thought process was. You know, your daughter's three months old. You know, you're you're. It's probably the middle of the winter, I'm guessing, and you're like, no, I'm yeah, going to. Yeah, you're like, no, I'm going to this. Right. Yes, and if you haven't been to New Jersey in February, it was cold. Yeah, cold. Yep. Um. So, what was your thought process that kind of you know got you out of the house and got you to that training? Because you, you seem to be coming at it from a like a like a very kind of um empowered place as opposed yeah. to something yeah. else. So um, I'm very grateful and very lucky to have been raised by a strong and independent and wonderful woman and and amazing man as well with my dad. Mm -hmm. uh, my parents both have always been incredibly supportive and. I remember once upon a time somewhere down the road, my mom talked to me about, you know, decision making and things. And, and I really can't take credit myself for, for this, for, because I know it came from the lessons I learned from her. Mm -hmm. And I hope one day to pass this on to my daughter, because I think this is, this is a great way to make decisions. Um, it's, it's all about the, the what ifs. Mm -hmm. It's about weighing out okay, let's play the what if game. Let's play the devil's advocate. Let's go there to the fear place, to the what could happen if I do this. And I weighed it out. I, I made a list of the positives. I made a list of the negatives. I, I, I thought about every what if situation of like, okay, well, what if it fails? Okay, well, if it fails, then I could either go back to the school district where I was or look for a different teaching job or like there were a lot of other options. And by thinking about all of those what ifs, it took the fear away because I had already thought about all of the worst case scenarios. And I realized that the only thing that I had to lose was the opportunity, if I didn't go, of finding what if it was wonderful. Mm -hmm. So I, I just felt like I had to do it. That's so awesome. And it's like what you said, by looking the fear directly in the face, it yeah. made it go away. And it, sure. it makes me think too of, I think so many people when they're making a decision, they're like, well, let me write out the pros and the cons, you know? Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's like, those can feel so arbitrary because especially if you're a list maker, sometimes you look at the end and they're exactly equal. <laughs> And you're like, right. well, this, this doesn't help. But it's because I don't think it goes to that level. Nope. And that people are scared of, you know, they're scared of the risks or they're scared of the what ifs. Mm -hmm. So because they're scared of them, they don't even look at them. Right. But I love your example of just like, okay, so what if my worst case scenario happens? Then how will I handle it? And it sounds like what yeah. you learned is that like, you're, you'll be able to, you're resourceful enough where you would be able to come up with a plan if that worst case were to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I, I'm lucky to have a great support system in my life. 
Um, but, but even if I didn't, I even thought like, okay, well, what, like this was, I went to like a very dark what if, like, okay, what if this doesn't work for me and my husband loses his job? And, and like, I, I went down and down and down and it's like, okay, well, you know what? We, we would figure it out. We have each other. We would figure it out. We could, we could do this. We could do that. And I, I had little, like, um, like a flow chart almost of ideas of, of potential solutions. Well, if this, then that kind of things. And I just, you know, figured it out and it, it wasn't, um, it hasn't always been easy, but I can definitely say that the benefits way more outweigh the negatives. And mm -hmm. the fact that I'm happy with what I'm doing and that my daughter sees that I'm happy. That is a huge, huge thing for me. Yes. And it's, it's almost like, and I say this sometimes to um, clients who are scared to take that step, right? It's like they want this thing over here, yeah. but they're scared because of the what ifs. Right. So what, what it really is, it's like this funny trick. It's like their best case scenario might be X, right? But then if they never try, it becomes their worst case scenario because it never happens. Right. Um, so I love that it's like you made, you avoided that case because you were like, let's just figure it out. So I love that so much. And I think that's so important for people to hear who like might be scared, you know, who have all the fears about all of the things that seem logical that they have to plan. Right. So I think that's so, so important. Yeah. Okay. So you talked about, and then you said, and then the rest is history, but that can't, it couldn't have been that easy. <laughs> It couldn't have been that easy. Okay, so you go to the training, you, yeah. uh, you get all of that, you get your license, and then yeah. what? So the, the first summer, um, I, I started out with one class. Now, when I, um, when I, my title is a little bit misleading because it's the center director, I don't actually have a uh, storefront space. That mm -hmm. was never really my intention. Some music together center directors choose to have a space that is entirely theirs. I chose the route of subletting from other businesses so that we could collaborate with one another. And actually mm -hmm. I've worked with some other wonderful mom, small business owners from oh, that. Awesome. Okay. Another cool thing on the side. <laughs> um, I love that we can support each other that way. And um, so I started out my first summer in um, like May, June of 2013 with one class and it had seven families in it and one of them was my cousin mm -hmm. <laughs> so, um needless to say she didn't pay but um but yeah i mean i i started with that i got the I got it up and running the six six other families besides my cousin also all loved it and they told people and lo and behold the fall i tripled enrollment for i went from seven families to 21 families and then from the fall to the winter, I tripled again. And I had over 60 families all of a sudden. And um, I've grown and grown over the past uh, seven years, I guess. And now um, before the whole pandemic thing, we were averaging a, about anywhere from 100 to 120 families, depending on the session. Um, we have a fall session, a winter session, and a spring session, and then our summer session is usually um, a little smaller, mostly because people tend to go on vacations and things. So we do mm -hmm. like flex classes where people can drop in and pop in. So that one tends to be a little bit smaller. 
Okay. That's amazing. Like just like hearing that rate of growth. So I'm curious, what do you think made you so successful so quickly that let that the word spread like wildfire? Well, I, I mean, this is one of those things. Women have a hard time in general speaking positively of themselves. So I'm going to, mm-hmm. I'm going to go ahead and toot a horn here. Do it. Um, <laughs> my own. So here we go. Um, I'm genuine and I, I care about what I'm doing. And I, once upon a time, oh, I read some, a quote somewhere and um, I'm a big vision board believer. Mm-hmm. And it's been literally on every vision board that I've had for the last eight or nine years. Um, because I was thinking about this even before I knew about music together, but I just didn't know what it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the quote is, you don't start a business to make money. You start a business to make a difference. Mm-hmm. And that is something that I hold near and dear in my heart. I knew that this business needed to help sustain our family, but I also wanted to make the world a better place. And I wanted to make our community a better place. And I wanted to help families with their parenting journey. And I wanted to connect people. Um, And I wanted to help new moms who felt isolated and alone. And, you know, one part that I I didn't mention, um, which I probably should, is that throughout this whole early stages part, I actually was suffering from postpartum depression as well. And having the the focus and the drive to help others actually in turn helped me come out of that and um and recognize that i was okay and i was going to be okay you know and um so now one of the things that i do with my center um and as soon as they're back up and running after the shutdown things now Um, I've been working very closely with one of our local hospitals and their Mm. postpartum depression and anxiety center. Mm. And I've been running classes that are subsidized by the hospital so that the moms who are getting treatment for postpartum depression and or anxiety don't pay for the classes that I run at that facility. And it's beautiful. I love it. (laughs) And the fact that I'm able to, to, come around full circle and say, you know, I was where you are and you will not always be where you are right now. Mm-hmm. And the days will get brighter and this music can help. And I'm going to help you connect with your baby through music. And here we are. Oh so. my gosh. I lo- I'm like, I have like, can feel the tears prickling in my <laughs> eyes. I'm going to try to keep it together as we talk. But, you know, it's, so many moms feel like, you know, and, and whether or not they experience postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety, but I think so many yeah. moms go through this feeling like they're doing it by themselves. Oh yeah. There's an isolation feeling for sure. Exactly. And even if you're surrounded by people, oh, yeah. we're, we're not right now, but it's like people, it's like they're alone, even when they're surrounded by people. And, and I, so it's, it's just amazing that it sounds like for, for both you, but also for the community, it's that like connection in the community, which is like really helped just like sustain and grow it. And it's just like, it's so amazing what you're doing. And that I'm like, that's, it just, it makes my heart happy to hear that. So that's so awesome. Thank you. And thank you for sharing that part of your journey. Cause I know that's very personal, but it's, I think it's helpful for other 
women to see that, you know, you did this in the midst of your own, you know, darkness of what felt hard for you. It's like, like, and it's almost like work with something that was nourishing you instead of taking away. And that can be possible for people. It's just that I think a lot of us have a, have a relationship with work as if it's a four letter word, you know? So my, in the past job that I was in with, you know, teaching, it did feel that way. Right. I mean, it was getting to the point where I, I had anxiety and panic attacks about having to go to work and just, it was not at all a healthy situation. Right. Exactly. So, so I want to ask you a question about the pandemic because sure. as a business that, you know, thrived on like bringing people together in a common space, you've obviously probably had to reevaluate things this year. And I think like at a time when people are really worried, you know, about their jobs and their livelihood and like how to keep their business afloat. How have you managed that uncertainty so far this year? Yeah, well, I mean, it certainly hasn't been easy. Mm-hmm. Not going to lie. It's, mm-hmm. There has been a lot of anxiety and stress and struggling. Um, but, you know, we, as a, as a worldwide company and also my center of Coastal Melodies, we tend to be um, optimism driven mm-hmm. and we tend to try to find the silver lining in everything and music together worldwide starting mid-march they saw what was happening and they said okay we're going to come up with a thought out online platform for all of our centers worldwide to be able to launch music together online and bring families together through technology. Mm-hmm. And so we've done that. Um, some people are doing it through through Facebook groups. Other people are using um, videos, on, like um, other video streaming services. Some of us are using Zoom or um, WebEx, mm-hmm. and which is actually one of the things I'm using um, so that there's still interaction. We can still talk with the families. They can see one another. The, the rooms open up about 15 minutes before class so that everybody can visit and the kids all know each other and they wave to one another. And, you know, it's, it's really, it's great. And it still has the connection feeling that we are all missing right now. And, and yet we're safe. And it's very hard to try to focus on how to social distance with toddlers. Yes. It's, it's basically like herding cats. I mean, you just can't do it. As soon as you get one in one place, one's somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it, it's, it's funny, but it's also sad at this time because we can't, we can't put anybody in harm's way mm-hmm. and um, we won't put anyone in harm's way. So uh, we have thought about the idea of doing some outdoor things, but unfortunately, again, there's, there's very little way to get everybody to stay where they need to be. Mm-hmm. So for right now, we're offering our online classes. Um, the spring was, was really pretty successful, you know, com- considering what was going on. Um, normally our spring, we usually have around 80 families and we were down to about like 60. So mm-hmm. it wasn't a huge, huge drop. Um, the summer's a little bit smaller right now, but again, our summers are always smaller. Um, so I'm, I'm encouraged for the fall. I think we are going to maintain the online, uh, components unless something drastically changes, um, in our area. 
um, I think everybody needs to look at where they are geographically in making those decisions. But I think based on where we are, I think we're going to stay um, doing the virtual things. And we've also just added um, something called sidewalk sing-alongs where our teachers can come to our families' homes and do a kind of a private music together class while maintaining social or physical distance, but still having a lot of fun together and be able to sing and dance and, and play and bring everything with them that they need. So. I love that. It's, you know, yeah. you, it sounds like you personally for your own center, but also the company that, you know, the, the managing company is that you're very resourceful. Yes. So it's, it's, you're not fighting against reality, you know, no. where it's, uh, but it's like, okay, this is the hand we've been dealt. <laughs> yeah. How, how can we make the most of this? You know, right. how can we work with this? And that's, that's encouraging. And I hope that, you know, we all hope that we can get back inside soon. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you a question in terms of sure. what's one of, would you say like through your now, it sounds like almost seven year journey of, you know, running your own small business. What's one of the biggest lessons that you've learned throughout that time? Oh, goodness. <laughs> There've been a lot. <laughs> a lot. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the business, one of the, one of the biggest ones I think is that the answer is always no, if you don't ask and if you don't try, it's always going to fail because you, you know, you have to take that chance. You have to, you have to take that step to be able to see if it's going to work out or not. And you know, some things don't, but you know what, sometimes when you try something, and that particular thing doesn't work out, all of a sudden you see there's another option right over on another side of it that you wouldn't have seen if you hadn't tried this other thing. Yes. So, you know, I mean, that's, I can't tell you how many times that's happened where I've, um, you know, I, I've tried implementing um, like a new part of a program and it, and it didn't work out, but it introduced me to somebody else who ended up being an incredible asset to my business. And we were able to connect with one another. And, you know, like just, you never know. You just, you just have to try. And I, I like, I want people to like really hear that because yeah. I think especially for so many women who have been brought up, you know, like, and depending perhaps on how you grew up or like how you were socialized, but so many people get to a point where it's like, they're, they're waiting for permission. They're waiting to be told what to do. I think especially at work, like a lot of women fall into this box of like not wanting to mess up, not wanting to look stupid, not wanting to fail in front of other people. And I think it's like removing that stigma of like, no, you have to try. Because like you said, it's like without try, like what's the thing? Like you miss 100% of the shots you never take. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I love that that has been your mindset because you're right. And it, it also speaks to, um, people wanting to know the how before they've done it. It's like, they're like, okay, I'm here. I want a successful business over here. So what are the 27 things I need to do to get there? And it's like, you, pro you don't know, cause you're not going to no. know until you get there. But no. what's the first thing you can do? Or to your point, right. what is the first thing you can try? And then imagining all of those like other things, like all the doors that opened that you never could have imagined. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of look at it like, um, like, like a um one of those champagne fountains yes. you know if you don't if you don't pour the the liquid from the top 
and have, and then all the other glasses aren't going to fill up. So yes. you have to take that first glass. You have to let something go into there before it can go to the next one and then the next one and then the next one. So you, I you just have an analogy, <laughs> you know, I mean like, and then once it's all like beautiful and flowing, it's like, okay, where did this all come from? It came from that one first little drop up there that had to happen first so that it yeah. all would flow. So yeah. And then you have a party. <laughs> hey, then you have a party. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh my God. I love that analogy. I'm going to remember that one. That's really, really good. Yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> um, okay. So we're, we're nearing the end of our time, but I want to ask you if you can think back to where you were when you were yeah. teaching and you were like kind of feeling stuck, and maybe you're going back in time and talking to your past self, or maybe you're talking to another mom or soon to be mom who's kind of in the same place, who's thinking they want to change or they have a dream, but they just, they're kind of like waiting to give themselves permission or they're waiting for someone to tell them what to do. Like, what is a piece of advice that you might give someone in that situation? It would definitely be to work through every single what if fear every single one and and every time you answer one of them and that little voice inside your head says yeah but answer that one and then then there's going to be another one yeah but and don't just answer them in your mind write them down and say okay what if like catastrophe this 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 okay i'm going to write it out well, what if that happens? Let's, let's go there. Let's go to the darkest place and figure it out. Like, why would, what would my, what would I have to do? What would happen to us financially? What would happen to us emotionally? What would happen to us connection wise or, or all of the things just focus on those. And as soon as you do that, as soon as you have the plan in place of, connecting all of those, those fears, they go away. So I, I just, I tell everybody that as, as much as I can. So that's totally what I would tell someone else in that place. Uh, it's like such valuable advice. And I want to ask, what's the significance of writing it down versus just thinking about it in your head? Okay. So uh, for me, writing something down gives it a, uh, a solid life of its own. Mm -hmm. Whereas if it's in my head, it's just in my head. Whereas if it's on paper, I, it's tangible. It's there. I see it. And I want the fear that I'm having to be on the paper also so I can tackle it. Because if I keep it in my head, it's going to keep festering in there. So by putting it on that paper, that's when I can look at it and say, what is it really that I'm afraid of? What, where is that fear coming from? What, what is the big what if behind that? And what is my solution? I love that. It's, it's like it gets it out of your head and onto paper. And I myself too have also found that when I take the time to write things down, it actually, it slows me down. Yes. Like it slows the spin in my head that like it's going a million miles per hour. And it's like the act of writing and sometimes typing, but I'm glad that you mentioned that specific detail because I think we can think that we can think it all through, but it just gets jumbled with, oh, I got to go pick up the kids from camp and I got to pick up a right. quart of milk and it like gets jumbled up with everything else that we're thinking of. Yeah. I mean, honestly, as, as women in general, but I also think moms even more so, 
I, we're thinking about a million things at once. I mean, my head doesn't stop. And I so often am lying in bed and my husband is next to me and goes, you know, hey, aren't you tired? I'm like, yeah, I'm exhausted. It's like, well, why aren't you going to sleep? I'm like, I'm thinking, I can't stop thinking. But you know, I found, and I, I do have to remember to take my own advice, writing things down on a little notepad next to my bed, getting them out of my head, even on a daily or nightly basis, helps to have that, just get it out of your head. Yeah. Same kind of thing, decision-making, fears of the unknown, put it on paper, it does help. It, yes, it really does, and it's such a practical tip that doesn't yeah. actually take as much time as people think it will. It's like not one more thing to do and reframing it being like, this will help. It's not one more yep. thing I have to do. Oh, right. I love that. All right. Well, Amanda, tell everybody where they can find out more about you, more about Music Together Coastal Melodies. Where should they go to learn more? Okay. So we have um, a pretty strong online presence. Our website is www.coastalmelodiesplural.com. And that's where you'll find all of our information about classes and all of that. You'll also be able to find us on uh, social media. Uh, on Facebook, we are Coastal Melodies Music Together. The name is just kind of flipped. And um, we're on Instagram too, but not a huge, huge amount. That one is MT Coastal Melodies. Um, so yeah, you can, you can find us in any of those places. Definitely like us on Facebook because we post a lot of fun things on there too. Awesome. That's so great. Okay, everybody, you have your marching orders. Go check them out <laughs> and do some music with your kids. Amanda, thank you so much um, for chatting with me today. I, I enjoyed you. everything you talked about it, and I think people are going to find some really good gems from what you shared. So I really appreciate you taking the time. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Did you like this episode? If so, please leave a review. That helps get the podcast into the ears of more people who might also like to hear it. I'd also love to hear what you think. Come connect with me on Instagram at cat.ferg. Send me a message and tell me your favorite part of the show. I'd love to meet you.